That's all. thing of being pedantic there, don't you? Just put a little bit of it. Just stops it rocking around. That is a fantastic song. Oh, I nearly tear up every time I sing that song, actually. Often, often you'll hear it at funerals. Um, it is just a, a glorious thought to behold when the clouds are rolled back and when faith becomes sight. And if you just start to think about that time that's ahead for every single one who's trusting in Christ, um, it just carries you away, just in, in, in glories of who Jesus is and what he's achieved for us. That one day we will put off these mortal bodies that are racked with all sorts of pain and difficulties and the challenges of life. And uh, it will be not even a distant memory. It will be just gone all, for, all together once and for all. Uh, what a glorious day that is to look forward to. Um, yes, the kids can go out. Just before we jump into our message today, I'm going to show a, uh, a short video. So, Dan, if you want to head down, mate, for the lights in a second. You can head down there, yep. Um, it's just a video today. We're going to look at, uh, we'll look at the Middle East uh, shepherds who shepherd their sheep. As we look at John chapter 10 today, it looks about Jesus, the good shepherd. So I just want to see this picture here of what a shepherd does in the Middle East as they, um, as they call their sheep, an amazing relationship they have between the shepherd, 
uh, and the sheep. So you can do those lights. Yep. Just do the whole lot. That's it. Thanks, uh, Hayden. You can play that for us, mate. Amen. Amen. So let's uh, let's turn to John chapter ten as we.
think about the Good Shepherd. John chapter 10, starting in verse 1, we'll read through to uh, verse 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he has brought brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, and all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who was oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Thank you, Father, for uh, these precious words here we have in John chapter 10 before us today. Lord, thank you that Jesus is the good shepherd. He's not one who leaves us. He's not one who leaves us to uh, the vagaries or the challenges or the dangers of this world that can bring ruin to our souls. He's the one who cares for us and he's the one who knows what's best for our souls. Holy Spirit, we would just ask now that you would help us as we look at uh, this passage here in John today, that you would help us to see that Jesus truly is the ultimate Good Shepherd and he is to be trusted and obeyed no matter where he leads us and no matter where we go. Please help us to see that this morning, I pray, and please help us to apply this to our lives. And uh, Father, we ask this uh, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This passage here in John 10 is probably one of those classic passages of scripture. If you've been into um, uh, onto a funeral or something, you'll probably look into a uh, stained glass window beside you, if you're, depending if you're an old sort of church, and you'll see there images there of the, of the good shepherd carrying sheep or whatnot, which just signifies just how uh, popular it is as a, uh, as a great image or metaphor of, um, of Jesus. 
And if you go into Google Images and do a search there for the Good Shepherd, Jesus, you'll see a zillion images there of this sort of squeaky clean, hipster-looking guy looking caringly into the eyes of a lamb. It's just uh, masses and masses there of pictures. Uh, it's just one of those parts of the Bible that's really captured the minds of uh, people who read through it. It's, really, it's sort of vivid in its imagery and vivid the way it actually portrays to us this incredible picture of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. And it's good that it does that. It's just a great thing. I wish more parts of the Bible would do that for people where they just really be able to relate to these things. It's, an, it's a fantastic thing to uh, see it take place. The book of John is amazing. Now, the more and more I read through it, and particularly starting at this uh, time as well, the more and more I see it's a very strong evangelistic picture of Jesus. John is really clear here to try and actually make this an evangelistic type book. He's trying to appeal to people to see this picture of who Jesus is and get a very clear image of who he is in their hearts and in their minds. And I trust and pray that as you go through this book with us as well, that you'll see this amazing picture here of God, glorious and wonderful, coming to dwell with us in the flesh through Jesus. And it's something I see here, particularly in John 10, as we look at this passage today, that God is a personal and relational God. God calls us into this relationship, this personal relationship with him, which is nothing short of stunning. Incredible to think about this uh, sovereign ruler who's created everything and he calls us into a personal relationship here. And we get this picture also coming through uh, John 10 as uh, we look at that here as this good shepherd is just this confirmation here of this relationship uh, that he calls us into. So Jesus here is our good shepherd. And as the Good Shepherd, we want to explore the ways here that he cares for us in this capacity as the shepherd of our souls. Uh, At the same time, we'll also touch on the predicament we find ourselves in this world as sheep without a shepherd that is lost and aimless, wandering without any direction at all. So let's go there and let's uh, let's work our way through that now and uh, see this open up for us. First of all, let's explain here what the passage is doing, then we'll apply it to our hearts. And the first part here of chapter 10, this bit we just read before, is actually linked in with a blind man from chapter 9 that we saw a bit last week, where that blind man was um, uh, probably hard done by by the Pharisees, then probably abused, and he actually was kicked out of uh, having anything to do with them. And he was sort of just cut off from them completely. That that says the last verse there, and they cast him out there out of uh, John chapter 9. But verse 19 and 21 helps us to see that because it says there, um, can a demon open up blind eyes? So you can see there's a connection there between this passage and the last passage why Jesus is actually talking about this because he's actually talking about it in the sense of caring for this blind man here as a good shepherd. So Jesus looks at these so-called shepherds, the Pharisees of chapter 9, and declares the truth about them and their self-centered ambitions and their religious pride and also for their total lack of care for this blind man, who they should be as the shepherds of Israel, as the under-shepherds of God, pointing him and directing him to the God of compassion and the God of care, but they're not doing that at all. So Jesus is um, giving them now a brilliant picture of a shepherd to try and illustrate this. Something they could all readily actually relate to. Very familiar with shepherds back in the day. It was quite a... Um, a popular pastime or a popular occupation for these um, shepherds and their sheep out in the wilderness. And it's imagery also that's right through the Bible. You'll see this numbers of times as you read through the Bible. You'll see this picture here of the shepherd and his sheep. 
And having said that, as Jesus goes through to uh, talk about this with them, they still don't understand what Jesus is saying here in these first five verses. They don't quite connect the dots for what he's communicating. They can grasp this idea of the shepherd and the sheep, but they can't understand what actually Jesus is trying to communicate here as he talks about this. So verses 1 to 5, let's have a look at that. Jesus talks about here Middle Eastern shepherding 2,000 years ago for us. Uh, What does that look like? Well, we saw maybe a small picture of it then in that video clip. A shepherd's a very dedicated person, if we think about the shepherd from the Middle East 2,000 years ago. If he's out in the wilderness, if he's out there in the back blocks of Palestine, he's with the sheep 24 hours a day. He doesn't leave the sheep. He's the sort of the safety and the security for the sheep. They would tend their flock all day and then herd them into a circular sort of area surrounded by rock walls with one narrow entrance in and out. And that shepherd there would actually sleep at that entrance of a night time. Along the top of this rock wall would be sort of uh, thistly type thorns so nothing could jump up and get in. And this shepherd would then sleep across this narrow entrance. So the idea then was you know, the only way in or out was past the shepherd. So if a wolf or a wild animal or something come, it actually had to get past the shepherd to get at the sheep. So very, very dedicated to defending and caring for the sheep. But the flock here that Jesus gives a picture of in 2,000 years ago is a flock that's kept in a village. These sheep are often herded together with other flocks in a singular compound sort of next to the village. So it wasn't just one flock of sheep. There could be multiple flocks of sheep there. The shepherds then could go home and they could uh, sleep for the night, have a good night's rest in their beds instead of sleeping on the, the, uh, the cold earth or the under the stars out in the wilderness. And they would come to a gatekeeper. A gatekeeper would then in the morning um, allow them in and uh, that gatekeeper would guard also those sheep from any threat over the night as well. The shepherds would arrive early for work, the gatekeeper would let them in, and they would take out their sheep for the day. How did they do that? Just exactly the same way that guy did it then. The sheep and the shepherds knew each other incredibly well. In a way, there was a relationship between the shepherd and his sheep. The shepherd could stand at the gate, and he could call like that, and out of all those perhaps hundreds of sheep in this compound next to the village... Only certain sheep would leave that compound to follow that shepherd. Other sheep who heard that voice, who weren't of that shepherd, wouldn't move. But the the sheep of the shepherd who was calling out would all just begin to filter out of their compound and follow the shepherd as he walked off and then led them out to pasture for that day. A pretty incredible picture. He actually could call them out by name and they would come. If anybody else came to that um, compound and started to call out for sheep, most of the sheep, probably oh, sorry, all the sheep, uh, wouldn't move. If it was a strange, they would not move. In fact, they would feel threatened and probably force themselves to the back of the compound to get away from this stranger. That was what um, the, the relationship was between the shepherd and the sheep. He knew them intimately. Anybody else would come, that would, they wouldn't move. They would perceive it as a threat. And if any person would jump over that wall of that compound, the gatekeeper would know straight away that is not where the shepherds come to actually get their sheep. They would be, be perceived as a robber or a thief. So that's what Jesus is saying there in those first five verses, talking about here the shepherd, how well they know their sheep. But they don't get what Jesus is saying. The whole shepherding thing isn't news to them. They're familiar with that every day. So they're sort of saying in their minds, so what are you on about, Jesus? That's why Jesus says there, uh, going on the next 11 verses, 
Um, verse 6 says, This figure of speech Jesus used them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So now Jesus goes on to explain here what this picture of the good shepherd looks like. And he's going to use it as a comparison to these false shepherds or these fake shepherds. Probably can't use that word fake news. You'll think I'm Donald Trump like fake news. Fake shepherds uh, in comparison to uh, Jesus the good shepherd. First thing he says, he alludes to, is uh, in verse 9, that Jesus says, He is the door and if we enter by him, we will be saved. I am the door, Jesus says. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The ultimate good shepherd here is Jesus. Jesus does what no other shepherd can do in the eternal sense, in the big picture sense. Jesus will save us from eternal judgment. That's what that word saves there means when it says he will be saved. It's saved as in an eternal sense from God's judgment against sin. The Pharisees couldn't do that. No way known could they do that. Me, here as the lead pastor of this church, is also like an under-shepherd in the eyes of God. I cannot save anybody. The best I can do is point somebody towards the Saviour, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Saviour. He is the ultimate good shepherd and he can save like no other. Second thing Jesus says is this, that Jesus the good shepherd not only saves from judgment which is fantastic, he saves us to eternal life in John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, that is Jesus came, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came that they would have life and have it abundantly. This is a really much quoted verse of the Bible. Uh, I've sat in plenty of meetings from time to time and it's you know, it said, I've come to give you life and life and all of its abundance. And it's not quite sort of, what does this life mean? Does that mean you know, a life full of um, you know, great things happening here and now and this life in the present? It's a really, really much quoted verse in that sense. And sometimes I think it is taken out of context. The abundant life that Jesus here is talking about is eternal life. That is life in its fullness. There can be no fuller life than the eternal life that God gives to us in his kingdom in heaven. This is the fullest life possible, living with Jesus in eternity. This is the abundant life that Jesus brings. It's an overflowing life that really is beyond our wildest dreams. Jesus, the ultimate good shepherd, delivers not only salvation from judgment, but also uh, eternal life. What we have now, though, is not the full, uh, the full gamut of eternal life, we have a foretaste of eternal life. It's a bit like when you go to Baker's Delight. You walk up to the counter, what do they normally have on the right or the left there? A little sample tray, and you get a sample of Boston bun or something like that, and you take a taste of it, and it really does whet your appetite for the whole thing. This is a bit like what we have now. We just have a taste of eternal life, but the, the fullness is coming in the future. So we have eternal life from Jesus, this good shepherd, but it's only just a taste of the joy and fulfilment now, with the rest to come in eternity. Jesus alone, the ultimate good shepherd, he alone can deliver eternal life for us. In the present moment, though, of here and now, we find ourselves feeling somewhat lost and aimless. It's very easy to find ourselves in that way at times through this world. It's not difficult to ask ourselves at times, what on earth am I doing? 
What am I, what, where am I actually going to in this life? What is the direction of this life? We sometimes can feel like really easily we're just going through the motions of life. I'm just getting up each day and I'm seeing to do the daily grind. I'm just working away at something. It feels like it's just the routine. It's happening day in, day out. And I work away and work away and work away. Then I step back and I look at what I've been doing over the past few weeks or what I've achieved. And I feel like I've accomplished nothing sometimes. Life just seems to get on this treadmill for us. And we step back and I can't see anything for all I've done for the past weeks, months or sometimes years for some people. And I think it also can be far more despairing if for someone who's not following Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, who haven't got Jesus as their Good Shepherd. If you're not following Jesus, then what is the big picture that you're living life to? What is the overall drive here that actually you're living your life and planning your life for? It's amazing how lots of things can come in and fill up our lives and make us incredibly busy and feel like we're doing stuff. But really, lots of those things are a distraction away from keeping us looking at the big picture or thinking about the big picture. It's amazing how life comes in and does that. It becomes a distraction. In this sort of directionless or lostness or aimless state, the Bible calls us, in the imagery of talking about sheep and shepherd, it actually talks about us as sheep that have gone astray. It likens us to sheep that are wandering aimlessly without any direction, without clear perception of where we're going or what's happening in life. Well, this is also an incredible picture here of where Jesus, the good shepherd, plays a personal role right in our lives now when we are surrendered to him. Jesus not only saves and gives us eternal life, but he cares for us as wandering sheep right here, right now, amazingly fulfilling us with direction and purpose to live a life that honours him and glorifies him and a life that actually leads others towards him as well in a very caring nature. Let's go back to verse 9 to see where Jesus brings this out. He says there again, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. What does a Middle East shepherd do with his flock during the daytime? Well, he doesn't leave them all locked up in the compound. He meets their needs and sustains them with food and drink. He takes them out to pasture. The shepherd guides them, leads them to green pastures to sustain them, to give them food and then to lead them also to uh, watering holes so they can be, uh, thirst can be quenched by the water as well. The shepherd leads them to what will be keeping them healthy and keeping them strong as sheep. Well, this is just what Jesus, the good shepherd, does for us. Not so much green grass and water, but in the imagery. Jesus is caring for and nurturing our souls so that we will be strong and healthy, prepared for an eternity with him. Nurturing and caring for our souls. The here and now, though, we can easily experience dark and perplexing times. Everything at times can seem hopeless. And if Jesus is my shepherd in these times, it looks like maybe he's on a rostered week off because I can't find Jesus anywhere in the middle of my circumstances at the moment. Sometimes we can be right in the middle of really miserable stuff, really challenging stuff that just fills our life with all sorts of challenge. I'm under pressure at work. I can't meet the deadlines that need to be put out by next week. 
And as this pressure builds up in my mind, it actually begins to impact my relationship with my husband or my wife or with my kids. I find myself snapping at them. I find myself short in patience. I find myself actually right on the edge of snapping all the time with my fuse just lit, ready to explode. And on top of this, I come now with a medical condition which could be even as simple as a flu. Sometimes those things all compound on top of us and they can seem like crushing blows. It can seem like life is really pressuring me from any number of angles. In that, I'm losing sleep at night. I can't sleep as I try and think about these things. As these pressures weigh upon me, I'm losing my patience. I'm despairing about life. I can feel isolated when life begins to close in and crowd in around about us. Lostness and hopelessness begins to creep into my mind. What on earth is going on? What's happening in all this? Something within me just wants to cry out, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, where are you? Don't you care about what's happening to me? Is this how you treat me as one of your children? If Jesus is my shepherd, then what on earth is going on when these pressures mount up? It really can look like Jesus has gone missing. And it really can look like he hasn't taken a week off on the roster, he's taken a whole month off or a whole year off on the roster sometimes. Where are you, Jesus? These are real moments in our lives. And they come in various waves and they come in various seasons, various sizes. But sometimes they are incredibly crushing. Let me assure you, Jesus, the good shepherd, hasn't left us and he isn't on a rostered week off. That is not where Jesus is. Sometimes if you think about shepherds and their sheep, sometimes the shepherd needs to take his sheep through barren pastures to get to the next pasture with the right feed for them in it. That's exactly what shepherds do sometimes. They may eat down a whole mountainside, so they need to move around that mountainside to another area where the pasture is more rich and will give them strength and nourishment. They need to be, lead the sheep through barren times or barren pastures. And this is exactly what Jesus, the good shepherd, does with us in this caring nature here of the shepherd. Let's look at what Jesus says here about his sheep in verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Right in the middle of that verse there, Jesus says, I know my own. Jesus knows his sheep. He knows his sheep really intimately. He's well acquainted with us. He actually knows more about us than what we know about ourselves. There's nothing that is hidden from Christ. There's nothing hidden from Jesus. Every minute detail of our lives, he knows it inside out. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our frailties. He knows the very weak spots in our lives that continue to keep us tripped up or falling over. He knows our trials and our struggles very intimately. Jesus knows our innermost secret thoughts that we think nobody else knows or perhaps nobody else does know in this world around about us. Jesus knows everything about us. There's not one thing that is hidden from him. That's a good picture of Christ as well. He knows us and he knows who we are. And a major part here of Jesus the Good Shepherd in caring for us is that he uses all of the circumstances of life, particularly the really hard times when life feels like it's shutting down around me. 
And he uses those pressurised times, those difficult times, to strengthen us and to nourish us. Jesus takes these really painful times and he uses them to refine and to purify us as our good shepherd. He, as it were, allows our relying upon ourselves, which we're all very good at doing that, or just it's me and my strength, I can get through this. He, he allows that reliance upon ourselves to be exposed for just how weak it is in these barren times of life. He brings us to see that we cannot stand in our own strength and try and do life without Jesus as our good shepherd. Jesus actually takes this self-reliance and he allows us to crumble. He allows us to fall over when we try and do things on our own agenda, in our own strength or in our own wisdom without him. Jesus will allow us to crumble under life's burdens at times. Now some of us might find that really hard to believe or really hard to grasp. I thought Jesus sort of keeps us just sailing on and we're just sort of jumping over the mountains and we're just leaping. Sometimes Jesus will allow us to crumble. Sometimes Jesus will allow us to fall over in the times of pressure. Pretty difficult thing to think about. But we need to remember that Jesus, the good shepherd, he's preparing us for heaven. He's preparing us for eternity. And he loves us and cares for us way too much that he would neglect to nourish and strengthen our souls uh, for heaven by allowing these situations or circumstances to be wasted in our lives. Jesus, who is infinitely wise and knows what is perfectly fitted as his tools to strengthen us and make us more complete in him, will take these situations and these circumstances in life and use them. Use them to cause our faith to rise in him, to see that our own strength is just not up for it on our own, and then to then be strengthened in him. And it's really uncomfortable in that process. It's really uncomfortable. For all of us who've experienced it, when he allows us to crumble, when he allows us to see that the foundations that we're building our lives on will not sustain us, and he begins to let them break away and fall, and we begin to come to the end of ourselves, it's really challenging and really uncomfortable. We feel really vulnerable. But there's an incredible work that Jesus is doing as the good shepherd in our lives. He's using those situations and circumstances to care for our souls in a very, very deep and profound way to show us that he is the one who strengthens our lives and he is the one who gloriously leads us to uh, a fuller life in him and a more refined life in him as well. What we need to see in these times is we can't do life on our own, but what we see is a glorious good shepherd showing himself great and mighty and loving and caring and working to his master plan in the middle of these really difficult circumstances. The Apostle Paul learned about this. He learned amazing stuff about God through weakness, through crumbling foundations and crumbling circumstances in his life. Paul had received some pretty amazing revelations about the kingdom of God. Incredible stuff that would just carry you away as you just actually thought and reflected upon uh, this amazing eternity that was prepared for us. God had given these amazing revelations to Paul. So Paul then at this point in time possibly could have been at risk of just basking in those revelations. Just thinking and meditating and reflecting on how great heaven is 
And while he's basking in that and reflecting in that, meanwhile the people around about Paul are on their way to hell. Paul could have got just trapped in here in just the glory land, just and live the rest of my days just thinking about heaven. That's possible what Paul could have done out of this incredible revelation that he got, that God had given him. So here's what happened to Paul in the middle of these revelations. It says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this, So to keep me from becoming conceited, self-important, prideful, carried away in my own strength, so to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of these revelations that God had given to Paul about the glories to come, a thorn was given me in the flesh. Who gave it to Paul? God allowed Paul that thorn in the flesh to begin to help Paul um, not be conceited. A messenger from Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this is Paul now, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Uh, A glorious piece of scripture as well. You see, Paul knew Jesus as the Good Shepherd. Paul intimately knew Jesus as a caring, loving shepherd of his soul. What did Paul see here about Jesus when he was led through this barren pasture of weaknesses, thorn in the flesh? He discovered something really amazing. He discovered that the power of Christ was resting upon him in that time. In that time of weakness, in that time of challenge, in that barren pasture that now Jesus had led him into, he discovered the power of Christ was resting upon him. In other words, Paul saw a more glorious and wonderful good shepherd in the times of challenge, in the times of pressure, in the times of barrenness. And that's precisely the blessing that we receive from following Jesus, our good shepherd. Verse 14 again. It says there, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. So Jesus turns us around. Not only does he know us, but we know him. As we see this good shepherd caring for us, and particularly through these challenging times, we grow in knowing him. We get this deeper experience of a relationship with this good shepherd that reveals himself as more glorious to us in the middle of these barren times. It's a win-win situation. It's actually a glorious win-win situation for us. Hard in the process. It's hard in the barren times. It's hard to have a thorn in the flesh. It's hard to be weak. But here is where we experience the power of Christ resting upon us as the good shepherd. David, the psalmist, experienced the very same thing. Uh, Psalm 23, really well known. The Lord is my shepherd. There's the imagery. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Beautiful picture here of the Greatness of God as the shepherd. It takes a turn though. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What has David experienced? Because David was a shepherd as well. He's experienced an incredible picture here as the Lord has his shepherd. Sure, great green pastures where times were just rolling along. But also David's experienced the valley of the shadow of death. He's also been led through barren pastures. And what's he found out there? He says, hey, you are always with me. I have nothing to fear. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's experienced a deeper understanding of who God is. A glorious good shepherd who uses the barren pastures of life to reveal himself to us in a uh, more glorious way. The ultimate good shepherd, though, goes further. He lays down his life for us to really prove the authenticity and the truthfulness of this shepherd. He doesn't just say one thing, but he backs it up with real actions. Jesus is unlike any other shepherd. He's the ultimate shepherd of our souls. And what he does here is he makes a sacrifice for his sheep. And you wouldn't have this happen back in the Middle Eastern times. Because if the shepherd sacrificed himself for the sheep, then who's going to protect the sheep after that? But Jesus, he has a different sacrifice in mind. This sacrifice is to save us and to rescue us. Verse 11 there of chapter 10, he says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is an incredible demonstration here of the true and good shepherd. This is the shepherd who dies on the cross to secure our souls and rescue us for eternity. This is the flock that Jesus has that he loves and cares for beyond our wildest dreams. He's no fake shepherd. He's no flash-in-the-pan shepherd. He's a true shepherd. He's the authentic shepherd. And he demonstrates this by uh, this grand action of the cross in securing for us once and for all our eternal salvation and eternal life. Jesus stands in the gap as our good shepherd and takes upon himself all of our sin, all of our judgment, all of our despair, our hopelessness, all of the brokenness of this world in our lives And he lays his life down there to bring us this life that he's called us to, the good shepherd with eternal life. What must the sheep do with this picture here of the good shepherd? What do sheep do? Sheep simply trust, don't they? They trust and they follow the shepherd wherever he goes. They just walk behind the shepherd. The shepherd leads them. They trust and they follow. And this is precisely what Jesus asks of us today, no matter what or where he's leading us to. He asks us to trust him. He asks us to follow him wherever he goes. As you think about the shepherd, who else would you trust? Who else could you trust when you see this ultimate good shepherd and what he has done for us in laying down his life for us and being the one who would be the the, uh, salvation for our souls? But here's the catch. We are so prone to wander off. We are so prone to wander off the path and go and do our own thing. It's a difficulty for us in this world. We try and take back control of our lives. We don't like the way things are going. We feel like Jesus is not quite directing it in the right way. We feel like Jesus has left me, so I better actually do this on my own again. This is not good, Jesus. These are the, the things aren't going the way I planned for them to go at this particular time. So we'll try, as it were, take our our actions in our own hands, and we allow other voices to tell us what to do, and we don't trust the voice of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. It's so easy for us to wander away 
and so prone to not trusting in him. But we must trust in Jesus, despite what our eyes may tell us at times, despite what our circumstances might tell us at times. Because in Jesus we have a tender, caring and all-wise good shepherd. I can imagine as he's thinking about this and the blind man back uh, in that day when he said this, he's saying, here is a blind man who's now been saved. This blind man's put his faith in Christ, but the Pharisees have cast him out. He says, I will never cast you out. I am the good shepherd who will lead you through to eternal life. Yes, you will go through barren times, you will go through hard times. And that blind man's probably been through 20 odd years of a barren life, living as a blind person, begging each and every day. And he's probably got other hard times still ahead of you, even though he may have received his sight. But Jesus is saying, I'm the shepherd who will not let you down. I'm the shepherd who will take you all the way to the end. I'm the shepherd who knows the beginning from the end. And Jesus says, will you trust in me? Will you follow me despite how the road may look or how dry the valley may appear today? Jesus is the ultimate good shepherd that we can trust and follow. Father, thank you. Thank you today for John chapter 10. Lord, thank you for this incredible picture of the good shepherd. God, today, please help us. Please help us to see uh, the commitment of this shepherd, dedicated, unrelenting, always with us. Commitment, Lord, to the point where he lays down his life for us to secure an eternal salvation and an eternal security for us in your kingdom. Lord, today we are so, as it were, bombarded with all number of circumstances that come in from left and right of our lives. And all of these things, Lord, would, would seek to uh, put doubt into our hearts and doubt into our minds. Please, today I pray that you would just vividly open up this image of the Good Shepherd who cares for us and who leads us, Lord, through barren pastures at times. But he does this ultimately for our good. Help us to see that, Lord, today, I pray. Help us to just simply trust and obey. As the words that hymn says, trust and obey, for there is no other way. To be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. Lord, please help us to trust and obey today. Help us to see him as our good shepherd. Father, I uh, do ask and do pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll have uh, one song to finish. Uh, Again, if um, you'd like to catch up for prayer or have any questions, I'd love to talk with you. And uh, please stay for lunch straight after the uh, service as well. Thanks. going to sing Jesus it is you for those that maybe haven't bought lunch that doesn't matter you're still really welcome to stay there'll be heaps there I'm sure let's stand together we're actually going to let's sing verse two and then go into the chorus great words about the shepherd this morning